Hello and welcome to the next episode of Lost in Criterion. I'm John Patrick Oatari Dorgan, and with me, as always, is a man who has shoulder pads that could decapitate a man. <laughs> I am the Adam Glass, and ultimately, my goal in life, uh, <laughs> while I do not know it yet, is to get to a point of self-confidence where I have no problem decapitating a man with my shoulder pads. I, I want you to realize, that a thing that I realized while I was watching this movie is that I didn't realize how close Mad Max universe and the <laughs> entire 80s, 80s was. Fashion. Yeah. It's yeah. like, oh, everybody had killer shoulder pads that were literally actually deadly. <laughs> Why was there never a Bond-sized villain? I don't Who, know. Uh, it's baffling to me that nobody ever used very that. very sharp shoulder pads. I don't uh, know. Uh, because uh, Bond villains... Uh, could only be women if they were very sexy. Uh, and David yeah, Mamet, you and, you and I David were David Mamet bit... characters could only be women if they were his wife. Pat, before we get into this week's episode, I do want to talk about our uh, our Patreon, patreon.com slash Lost in Criterion. Uh, for over there, just a dollar a month, uh, you get access to bonus episodes. We do a non-Criterion collection film over there. We let our $1 and up supporters vote on what we're going to watch, and we record that episode. I have a guest over there a little more often than we do. Yeah, fairly often. Pretty reasonable. Percentage-wise, certainly, because yeah. we only do one episode a month over there versus right. four, episodes, four or five a month over here. But uh, $1 and above gets you voting rights, gets you the new episode, gets you the entire back catalog of episodes. I think there's uh, there's over 30 over there right now. I can't think of the exact number because um, we've been doing it for So a, a minimum of 30 years. hours of listening if you go over there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, if it's a Donovan Hill episode, then a minimum of I mean, like two hours yeah. per episode. So. Um, yeah, so I mean, well, you know what we could do though is we could run this out more if we did our if we played our cards right, we could we could pack it to sixty hours of 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 uh, content content going forward. We can't have Donovan on every bonus episode. Are you sure we can't? <laughs> we probably could if we wanted. He'd be down. <laughs> I would be down too, frankly. Yeah, it'd be fun. I would uh, like to know Donovan's opinion of a lot of the movies we've watched. <laughs> I would like to not know Donovan's opinion of a lot I, of the movies. I'm very curious, too, frankly. <laughs> uh, Donovan Hill is is fantastic. One of our favorite bonus episodes was an early one with Donovan Hill. Uh, oh, it's I released, the most beautiful. Thing I released in the world. a director's cut of it uh, because he he joins us to talk about aliens and just goes on a rant about Alien Covenant. <laughs> it's, so, it's so good for like 45 <laughs> minutes and then at the end reveals that he's not seen Alien Covenant. <laughs> it's my favorite thing that has ever happened. Yeah, it is It is probably, honestly, one of the greatest comedic reveals I've ever, yeah. ever experienced yeah. in my just, life. Just because of the... It's like one of those jokes that are completely pointless, uh, like the purple ping pong balls or whatever, and then you get into the end and it's just a really, really blasé, dumb pun of a, of a punchline. <laughs> but and you just so wasted good. 45 minutes of your <laughs> yeah, life. It, but those are beautiful. Those are beautiful yeah. things. And he did they it are. purely organically. 
He did. He did. It's it was beautiful. great. I literally uh, almost I I literally <laughs> almost fell out of my chair. <laughs> it was wonderful. So great. Uh but yeah, a dollar a month at patreon.com slash lost in criterion gets you that access. A little above that, five dollars a month. We like to thank those people on air. So thank you to Adam Speakerman and Christopher Otto for your five dollar a month supports. Yes, uh, thank you. Above that we do something that's pretty pretty grand. Pat makes a piece of art based on one of the movies we've watched recently, and I get that printed up on a postcard and uh, write a little thank you note on the uh, on the back and mail that off to you. And thank you to Jason yeah, Westaver and Michael McGrath for your continued $10 and above supports for that. Yes, thank you so much. Hopefully you are enjoying the postcards. Uh, Patreon.com slash Lost in Criterion. If you want in on that, we greatly, greatly appreciate your support, but we appreciate you listening too. Thank you. This week we are uh, we're talking about just a fantastic thing, um, a a wholly unique thing. thing um, I think House of Games from uh, 1987. Oh, man. A uh, David Mamet written and directed. Uh, I think this is his his first film adaptation of his own work. Uh, it might be his first film. Period. Um, it is based on a story he co-wrote with Jonathan Katz, uh, who is uh, most famous for being uh, Dr. Katz, professional therapist. Um, yep. His, the the yep. humor of Dr. Katz does not really shine in this, in this at all. Uh, <laughs> nope. There is Not even a little bit. There's some funny parts of this movie, that's for sure, but... I... Oh, <laughs> you're going to have to prove that right. to me. All right. I'm going to hold your feet to the fire on this one because <laughs> maybe, I could maybe. not find them. Okay, I'll give you that. I am a fairly jovial person, and and I try very hard to watch e- these movies for, for some <laughs> form of pleasure. Maybe there was no explicit comedy in this movie so much as I was laughing at some of the dialogue. <laughs> well, yeah, okay. Well, that's a different matter. There's lots of yeah. laughable dialogue in this movie because it was written by a person I'm pretty sure has never had a conversation with any human being on Earth right. ever. So, uh, framing-wise, this movie gets labeled as a neo-noir, uh, but but I feel like it's less of a neo-noir than just everyone talks like they're uh, doing a pale imitation of Bogart. Yeah, no, it, it is it is pretending. Right. Yeah, it is pretending right. to be a neo-noir. Uh, it is not a neo-noir. Um, it bears a lot more in common with the Sting yeah. than any noir. Uh, only you know, <laughs> not good, not an amazing movie that I love deeply. Um, it has what I, p- in my head, politely thought of as USA TV drama darkness. Okay. If you watched USA the ne- USA Network in the nineteen nineties, there were a lot of shows, and they played a lot of movies. This were. Fi- Fully yeah. in their wheelhouse. <laughs> All right. They played a lot of shows that felt like this, where it's supposed to be dark and gritty, but it also feels very. I think possibly not because like of that. Real? I loved the plot of this movie. Okay. Wait, wait, don't get me wrong. I will agree that the plot of this movie is I entertaining think... to watch. Uh, I don't like it. Because I think it is wrong on all counts about basically everything that it tries to oh, talk about. Uh, no, 
I don't, I don't, I don't think it's a smart movie by any means. No, no, that's, I, mean, I know that's what I wanted to get that out there fun. because I didn't want. Yes, I wanted to get that out there because I don't want people to misconstrue me saying that this is a an interesting movie to watch. Yeah, as me as in an any way endorsing any ideas movie? presented in this movie. Yeah. Yes, yeah, this movie has no redeeming qualities with regards to <laughs> thought processes, but. It is it is an entertaining watch because I feel like I'm sick home from school in like fifth grade, yeah, fourth grade, and watching USA for some reason, which is a thing that happened a lot. Yes, I was a very ill child when I was in fourth and fifth grade. Did not like to go to school. Watched a lot of USA, um, and I cannot count. You know, there was only really the two things on USA, which was things like this, yeah, and uh, and dubbed over versions of Good Morning uh, Vietnam, <laughs> which is still my favorite thing on earth. I watch, I own the movie, I watch it in real version. I am not pleased with my. There are so many movies. I'm like, okay, none of these are the right dubs over. There are so many movies that are better in their television movie version. Oh yeah, no, Beverly Hills Cop is amazing. <laughs> Beverly Hills Cop over. is amazing. Uh, <laughs> Coming to America is pretty great that way. Oh, oh, Eddie Murphy's whole that era lineup, dubbed over by USA, is amazing. Yeah. Uh, swingers, the the television edit of Swingers is a yes. You're, movie. You are correct about that. Yes, uh, and uh, and I'd say the 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 television edits of uh, every F word in Die Hard make it a better movie. Oh yeah, no, those are so. amazing. Yeah, that, I agree with that. I mean, and that's I enjoy that stuff deeply. And this is the sort of other thing they would play. Yeah, it would be during the the middle of the day, like two o'clock in the afternoon, when you're homesick from school. There was those movies, and then something like this, and you kind of never knew which one it would be. It was it was potluck, and so I watched a lot of these kind of movies. Yeah. Um. So I love uh, the plot is amazing. Partially because our main bad guy slash main character, it's very confusing, um, is another classic example of somebody who operates on Silence of the Lamb level (laughs) human nature's avauntness, where he just knows what's going to happen, what everybody's going to do right up to the end. Uh, And based on what I've seen in the film, I assume he knew he was going to get shot, too, and just (laughs) is committing suicide by psychiatrist. That's the... The the bizarre thing about the ending of this movie, um, and and I suppose spoiler warning if you have because I you know <laughs> you want to watch this movie most, most times most times we you know, this is a response podcast right we talk about the movie and I don't I don't say spoiler warning because there is an inherent spoiler warning because we're talking about a movie but I feel obligated that if a movie has an actual twist. Uh, that uh, that I should say something, I guess. But Here, this movie here's what does I will say, twist, though. and it is it, again. I don't I think it, it does. So you don't think it I, does? I would argue that this movie doesn't have. I I know what you're saying, and it is probably billed as a twist. I don't think this movie has a twist. You think it's too upfront? You think you think it's so clear what's going on the entire time? Well, I mean, it depends on where it depends on where you're where you count the twist as. If you're counting the twist as finding out the 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 end thing, I kind I, I it, it was kind of telegraphing it a little bit. Uh, what you, you know what I mean with the reveal in the bar? Yeah, but I feel like it's telegraphing that a little bit. But you definitely know she's going to kill him. <laughs> like there's zero chance well, she's not going to shoot him. 
at the end. Like, you see that coming from, like, a mile away. The runway on that is enormous. I did legitimately forget she had the gun, uh, though. Though I okay. suppose well, this is, I, I guess this is one of the films. Important. This is one of the films that is uh, actually a well-used Chekhov's gun, uh, as opposed to right. To so yeah. Often in that, well, that's what I'm saying. We is do that, see like, it in the first act, and then we don't think about it until the final act. Um. Yeah, there there are crafting right. bits that are very good about this. What I mean, what I mean by the twist, I suppose I don't even necessarily know because every time it's revealed, oh, they were conning him, uh, her again. It's kind of like the uh, uh, what's the the disguised character in Arrested Development, the dad's friend who always pops up to teach him a lesson, <laughs> right? because yeah. it's it's so obviously <laughs> what's going on, um, right? Like when she walks into the first poker game and they leave the door open, like they're right. obviously trying to to draw her into something. Right, exactly. Uh, and and even this reveal that uh, Billy only owes $800, even if that were legit, instead of 25000 it means that she's already being scammed by someone, and she should be... <clears throat> right, and, and, and I, here's my... Okay, so yeah, and there's a lot of these kind of things, well, right? Then, like, all the leads up to that are like that. Then right? where that becomes a problem for me is that the denouement in the bar where they're splitting up the money and sending everyone away, away, is staged as if it's staged. It it still feels like that that is something she is meant to witness. That's the problem with the One of the big problems with this movie is I also have the same problem with the kind of shitty acting because everybody always sounds like they're faking it. David Mamet has a very specific way of writing lines that when other people are directing his script, it's fine. It's not terrible. Yeah, it's not the worst thing uh, you've ever heard. Yeah. But when he is directing the script, it is so hard for the majority of actors to take his direction in a way where he's not <laughs> going to yell at you. And I think I think Joe Montana... Uh, more or less, he's the best one in this Does movie. it well? Let's and be he's clear. Worked, like, he's with... worked with Mamet the most. Lindsay Krause's wife, Mamet's wife, uh, is among the worst here, and she is an actress. She's not just his wife, you know. Um, right, and and she has a hard time delivering this dialogue. Right. It's clear. She looks like she, the actress, is in pain. Right, right. And a lot of the other characters do too. Yeah. They look like they're being put through. It kind of looks like we're witnessing the output of a Saw scenario. (laughs) Everybody in this movie is under duress. Yeah. And we're just seeing what that produces uh, is what it looks like. I mean, like, everybody is stiff as shit. Right. You could could literally cut, like, meat with the stiffness in every human being in this movie. Yeah. My first... I mean... You know, my first note that I wrote down is three minutes in and all the dialogue is delivered like a bad play. But maybe that's because I'm too familiar with bad stage acting that's inspired by or trying to be a mammoth play. That's another po- that is a possibility. I thought I thought I went through the same yeah. thought process, but I will say this. Those things are indistinguishable from each other, I suppose. But in 1987, was it indistinguishable from each other? Was this right, actually I, fresh in 1987? Was this something even different? in 1987? 
The delivery on these lines is awful. <laughs> I am, I am, I have watched. You and I have watched a lot That's of movies fair. in this podcast, and also on our own of our own accord. And we, while while things could be fresh, like the dialogue writing can be fresh, and I think I'm okay with admitting that this is fairly fresh for the time. Yeah, I don't like it because I find it horrible. The, but I, that's just me. Like I don't like this style of dialogue. I never have, and I never will. Um, As a movie unless, meant for a mass in, audience in 1987, this is very different than than what else right, is true. meant for a mass audience. And I'm totally willing to admit that the the this the, the dialogue style is is probably pretty fresh. Yeah, but that doesn't that change doesn't the fact good. that the delivery is pretty awful. Yeah, and I chalk that up to this dialogue. When put into the mouths of humans, turns to ash. It is so hard to say these things as though it's the way a human being would talk. Yeah, that your actors struggle to actually make it sound like the words that people would say. Right, right, and that's Montana manages to make it still sound natural exist. Adjacent, there's still a bit of an yes, uncanny valley does. thing with him too. Absolutely, there, there is. Um, I think Ricky J. It makes that that makes it worse. Ricky J. the bearded, long-haired one. guy, uh, is sort of he doesn't talk enough for it to really hurt. Um, right. The uh, the old woman, uh, yes, the psychologist's friend, uh, I think does probably the best out of anyone. <laughs> Because I think I think Mammoth was probably least likely to push back against her. Yeah, and and even the, but yeah, but the weird but I think it feels to me like she's changing the dialogue, yeah. ad libbing it to a certain extent yeah. to well, make it into human words. That is one thing. Uh, Montagna insists there was no ad libbing. That uh, that this was this was a stage production mentality. If it's not on the page, it's not on the stage. There was no no ad lib no improvisation at all she's doing something then she that 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 because they, they're not they don't even sound like they were written by the same person yeah maybe maybe that's it maybe maybe jonathan katz co-wrote and uh he wrote <laughs> just the just the older lady <laughs> he wrote just only the elderly the older lady, lady. <laughs> like, he's, he's like i'm uh, this will not stand i yeah. have to do this part um <laughs> but like the uh the teenage girl patient does not sound like a real person by any means. In, no. In la- no. I mean, I suppose she's meant to have gone through some sort of trauma, so maybe. Uh, but trauma doesn't <laughs> turn you into an alien who doesn't speak right. Right. <laughs> right. Um, who doesn't understand how complete sentences work. Uh, the uh, Billy, the, the gambling uh, patient... Uh, is definitely doing a David Mannett monologue every time. Every yeah, time and he, he sounds like he's running a. He sounds like he's running a con. Right. The first time all, you meet him, all the time, all the time. Yeah, because he delivers his dialogue like it's a reading of a play. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Half of okay, my notes like, are this thing that is happening on screen right now is obviously a con, right? And then my next note is, yes, it was. Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah. No, it's all like that. And like, but 
I want to take a step back because the act, there's the whole dialogue, there's the whole acting. It's all like that. It's yeah. all just kind of painful. It all feels like I'm kind of submitting myself to some sort of like masochistic desire or something like that. My issue beyond that is we're getting into a cla- again. We're getting into a classic Silence of the Lamb scenario here. This long con requires that our main character. I okay. I'm having a really hard time identifying who the main character is. <laughs> uh, I, it's really difficult. I don't know if it's Margaret or if it whatever Montaigne's Mike? character's name yeah. is. Mike. I I got blanked on that one. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know if it's Margaret or Mike. I'm not sure on that. I, right. It is Margaret, but like we sit, we spend so much screen time on Mike that like it feels weird. Um. So it requires Mike to have basically, based on a book he read decide that he could run a long con that involves multiple, like, direct 90-degree turns Yeah, on a person he's never met before. Well, they've got Billy as the in, and they've got her but book. But Billy, keep in mind, though, that Billy is clearly a plant. Right. No, as no, such, that means he had to... Billy's the one who introduced this idea. He's like, I've got, I got a shrink, she wrote this book. I, but here's my problem you, with that. Why think, did Billy go to the shrink? You think Billy only went to the shrink as as part of this? This yeah, it's yeah. obvious yeah. because his main complaint the entire time we see him, the only evidence we have of his interaction with her is talking about his gambling problem, which produces a gambling debt. We have no evidence that he has a gambling problem or gambling debt outside of the con. I just, I just feel I assumed no, a no. I assumed multiple sessions before that first one we see. That, that well, I'm sure there's multiple sessions before that, but before I think that's the con. The debt. But you know, I think that's the con. Fair. That's fair. I the movie doesn't set up a universe where Billy is just a patient. Yeah. So because we would have to have some evidence outside the con. Because the movie is about the con. That there is only the con. Nothing exists outside the con in this movie. Right. That brings are, me back. I mean, back. like that would be like me watching The Sting again right. and being like, right. th- th- imagining their rich outside lives that don't exist. Right. Uh, I don't get to do that. Yeah. I don't have anything to work with there. Yeah. That brings me back to to my problem with the uh, the penultimate bar scene. Um, is when when does Mike stop being in control? Is it Billy right. going totally. back to cancel his appointment? Why does that even happen? Why does Billy it, cancel that appointment? I so I mean, and he parked around the corner, but he still drives by the back of her office with the with I the mean, car. Yeah, no, I I agree. Like I don't like Billy. It is a problem in that's a problem in story structure. It's a yeah. legitimate like actual right. problem in design because if you're gonna do this, where the whole movie is just the con all the way up until the moment it breaks, you have to know exactly when it right. breaks, Billy. Billy's whole setup there suggests that is part of Mike's plan to entice her to follow Billy back to the bar. The fact right, that I she agree. gets back to the bar and the back door's unlocked suggests that is part of Mike's plan to get her back to the bar. But then Mike only knows there's a problem because she mentions a piece of information that she would only know if they listened to him, if she had listened to him at the bar. Right. Which means in the final scene, Mike's expectation is that she was not at the bar. Right. And, that and so, I mean, and, and 
no, I agree. Like, I, I agree that, like, in, in the context of this movie, that, that implies sort of insufficient foresight on the part of Mike, which is a thing that is not part of his character. <laughs> right, right. Like, I get that. And I think that is just lazy writing, if I'm being honest. I think they needed to get to the point where he shoots her. Or she shoots, sorry, like, yeah. she shoots him. And somebody didn't know how to get there. Yeah. And so at some point, Mike has to lose control. Right. And and there were there were there is you can definitely conceive of a more subtle way where like Billy blows it on accident, like where Mike, which is what they're trying to imply here, is right. that Billy blows it on accident. Um, but it's problematic because like Billy had no reason to be there, right? And he had um, no reason to be except in that I car, guess, and he had like, yeah. I well, okay. I will say that. It is interesting because, like the the whole that whole process is somewhat interesting because it does imply that um, they were worried about her noticing that Billy was gone, and that breaking the con. Yeah, but by I can the, see that as an argument. But by then, the con's over. It doesn't matter. If she she's gonna know the cons over when everyone disappears, right? Even though they told her, well, no, because that's part of the plan. Again, right? That's part of the plan. So I guess yes, but and and they're they're dead sure that she's gonna follow the plan. Yeah, like that's part of the con, right? Part of the and that's where we get into the sort of weird silence of the lambsy sort of savantness of this whole thing. Is that like how how could you possibly cons- so like cons are to a certain extent built around building these sort of dams and these buffers that prevent people from taking certain actions right right they kind of funnel them into certain pre no like predetermined activities and they still fail all the time right because people are super fucking unpredictable my uh my big thing is for the amount of people involved in this eighty thousand dollars split nine ways is not not a lot of money so no it's not the whole thing is stupid right the whole thing is, like, they're trying to take a – well, and I, you get it, right? Like, you get that idea that, like, well, we're talking about somebody who might be, like, a multi – might be approaching multimillionaire status or something like that. You don't want to take enough that they actually, like, have to think about it too hard. Right. Right? You want to take enough that it's good money, but, like, they're all, like, retire, like talking about retiring, like, on what, $15,000 each? Yeah. Uh, like, maybe. This isn't fucking Ocean's Eleven maybe. here, guys. Maybe. There's there are let's see uh, there are at well least, Billy's not getting paid as much I'm sure but there's certain at, people are not getting there's paid as much. at least like six people involved right yeah uh, guy in the tux cop who died Billy uh, the cowboy uh, who's who's the Texan who makes uh, like the first tell of this was not the was not the dripping squirt gun it was that this guy who has been described as Texas uh, makes a rhyming slang about the specific South Side Manhattan uh, <laughs> stockyards, uh, shipyards. Right. Right. Um, this guy did not just show up from Texas. Anyway, uh, Mike, um, the businessman who, no, the businessman is the dead cop. I'm sorry. They did switch out characters there. Um, no. Then, uh, What's it? George. Not George. Uh, who's the old man? Uh, anyway, I can't remember his name, but that's fine. So that's six people, I think. Six people minus their costs, uh, which which probably aren't that much. They probably didn't 
buy no. that car. Uh, but they bought some squibs uh, and, uh, uh, you know, some other things. Yeah, it's not. Which which is this whole other thing. The live use of squibs in real life is always a really, like, weird thing <laughs> right. that shows up in cons and movies. Right. It's like, you would not do that. Right. Because that shit never looks real in real life. Right. That is a movie trick exclusively. A couple of rented hotel rooms. One at a very high-end place. Uh that they explicitly say is $300 a night. Um, Which, the year we're talking about, that's ridiculous. That's a, yeah, it was a nice <laughs> nice hotel room. Um, yeah, so, you know, maybe maybe costs are under two grand, period. Uh, but you're still talking, you know, just over $10,000 a piece, not even $15,000 a piece. No, yeah, no, it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's not, yeah. it's, it's a, it's, it doesn't make any sense. Right. That's which, which is why the whole thing kind of is a little weird that way. And it implies to me that, like, in in the core conception of the writing of this movie, failed to understand, like, w- you wouldn't run. Like, right. How long is this do con? his own math, right? Like, yeah, like, this con is taking how much time? Yeah. A few weeks. Yeah, a few weeks of time. Well, yeah, $10,000 for a few weeks of time sounds, is a lot. Yeah. But, like, like... There's a lot of that can go like it's a it's not a good payoff. This is not good. Yeah, but but during that during that two weeks, they're also doing that twenty dollar con at every bodega in the city. So, uh, oh so yeah, still so they've got what? So. couple hundred bucks when yeah. that's done. Yeah, <laughs> but like you know, well, they're even talking about showing her like old right. shit that nobody actually does anymore, and all. And it's like, and okay, like it's weird. Like again, like we get into this thing, right? Like where it's like, how okay. He knows, like, like, Adam. What is this movie trying to say? <laughs> okay, let's let's switch gears. What, what is does this, this movie, movie want to say? tell me about humanity? So, so because it definitely wants to. Yeah, it's wrong, but it wants to. So this movie, uh, David Mamet comes to Lindsay Kroos and says, "I've written this character for you," and Lindsay Kroos reads it and and is unsure. But but they talk it out. Why doesn't anybody in this right. pl- this thing you wrote for me use complete sentences? Right. Uh, <laughs> you don't use complete sentences. Uh, complete sentences. <laughs> but uh, she she ultimately reads the film as a uh, women's lib thing. Um, okay. I, that is the most generous reading of this, yeah. which I think okay, good. I think that even uh, that leads to some problems. <clears throat> too. No, totally. But like uh, again, most generous yeah. reading of this movie. Being a mammoth movie, it is is man centric, right? And this is this is the male life of the the card sharp poker players is is you know the lead in here, and then con men and and why why their con men group is already all men makes no sense, like. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's already you, madness. You We're already least, in madness. You need at least territory. one beautiful woman in your con man group to begin with. Have you ever watched any other it's, movie? Uh, yeah, obviously. Yeah, totally. <laughs> well, maybe that's the whole. Maybe that's the point of the movie. <laughs> to try. That's get, why they're fucked. Yeah, that's why they fail in the end. Uh, but, but to suggest that that is uh, its own patriarchal world uh, that seeks out to punish uh, this woman who is achieving some amount of independent power uh even though she's got her own problems she wrote a book she's got money let's con her uh yeah 
And then she turns the tables on them, but she turns the tables on them by becoming them, right? And that's where it sort of well, falls apart I mean, to me. The, it's, the it's biggest not... problem is that last is yeah. that last scene for that, right? Like, if it ended with her just murdering him, becoming him is a is is not necessarily right. a direct interpretation of that action. Like, murdering him is definitely more than he does, right? Which is kind of interesting. Like, that's a whole other thing, right? Like, by escalating beyond him something even like it's not a good commentary yeah but it's more interesting than also her becoming a petty thief at the end her i the last scene makes me want to right launch this movie into the sun her murder of him and she she says this in dialogue and he plays it off it is not just about being conned out of 80 grand right no yeah totally it is also that they had sex under false pretenses that's rape yeah no i mean she was raped absolutely uh he yeah he hasn't just conned her he's spent he spent at least weeks if not months out of his life lying to her she has been deeply betrayed uh to the point where you know murder murder isn't something she should be escalating to but realistically that makes sense to me right i mean there's there's a deeply possible argument that like i mean yeah i agree but also, like, there's the, a chance that a jury would acquit her. Yeah. In the realm of, yeah, yeah, in, and certainly in the realm of fiction, it makes sense. But but even yeah. in real life, there is some amount of sense that it's making. Uh, it is then that she's got this addictive high, uh, because she she yeah. But here's and, the thing about no, it: is like, I, go ahead. Sorry. What like, what I, I hate the most about the final scene is that in becoming like them, she is victimizing other women. I agree with that. Right. I agree that is a big part of if the problem If she became of that. a con woman but was victimizing other bad men, then we've got a superhero backstory. Yeah, that's true. You do, you do have a better... That is a better, twi- that is yeah. a better ending. Yeah. Uh, my issue with it is more that, like, we don't see enough of her doing cons... To believe that she developed a high for doing con, like for doing crime. <laughs> right, what she actually does. You know what I mean? What we don't have like, it's, not, say... it's not two months of her running with this crew. <laughs> she, she's sitting at her she table steals and a says, pocket knife. hey, look, a distraction. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. And steals a steals a lighter from someone's bag. That's what I'm saying. Is it, It's silly. Yeah. Part of, the, part of the problem of it is it is silly. Yeah. But if um, that, and if I that, agree with you about with the, the rest the of the movie, other women, if too. that's if that's what Mamet is suggesting is the the baseline of patriarchy here is uh, the the use of your intellectual power to con other people out of resources, uh, which is a much much higher concept than I think Mamet's trying to get here because Mamet's not actually critiquing patriarchy in this movie. Um, but yeah, no, I don't. I that that's why it is the most po- generous possible reading of <laughs> right, this film, right. and it is very generous, right? But but that is that is the patriarchy here, um, and they are they are always running a con, and within the realm of this movie, that con is particularly aimed at a powerful woman, uh, because everyone else they con, they either call off the con in the case of William H Macy's character, or the con we're seeing is part of the con on her and everyone is involved. Right. Yeah. Right. So, uh, <clears throat> good argument. If it were 
actually the meant reading that that all patriarchy is uh, is a con on those outside of the patriarchy, particularly white patriarchy. We do have uh, one African American involved here, uh, but uh, but also that its own problem is that these guys are all people of a poor background, right? You know, this these are these are the average pickpockets con men we've seen in any other movie, and they are people who are doing this because this is how they know the world already works, but they're cutting out the middleman and the extra steps, right? They right. They see that all of the financial structure of the U.S. is a con. So they're going to do their little cons uh, so that maybe one day they have enough money to to be the big con man in charge of a bank. Uh but but that's like but that's not the argument anybody in this no movie one's explicitly made, made that though. argument but right but and, and my issue is that like no, go ahead every character every character's implied background in as much as we can imply uh, in as much as we again can, we're not given we a can lot get to the implied background of a con man right you know because every everything could be a lie right everything's everything's an affectation you know the old man in the in this tweed suit with the bow ties is is just as much wearing a costume in that moment. Yeah, uh, as far as we know, uh, but if that's well, and, and that's that's what he wants. Right. I mean, that like that's one of the better craft yeah. elements of the movie is that it's easy to read all the people, yeah. all the con men as con men wearing a right. costume. That 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 right. part is done fairly well. But but that very generous generous reading plays into a very status quo view of 80s women's rights in that this woman in order to be respected by us the viewer or by Mamet the producer of this becomes like the patriarchy they don't well, yeah, invent totally. another I mean, that's, she's, she's, yeah, that is 80s movies right, yeah right. for sure uh, it's I mean it's wider than the eighties movies too, but it's I know, it's but like eighties movies like period, they're weird right? on its, it's sli- yeah, totally. It's Margaret Thatcher. I'm just talking Yeah. Right. I, I'm talking specifically though, but yeah. Eighties movies do eighties movies in, engage in this dialogue really intensely. Right. Like this is a thing where you're like right. the entire, where you see a lot of the women Western air quotes grabbing the horns by the rain. Right. Yeah. yeah, I know. Yeah. But I mean but like, you know, this is this is a movie podcast. Right. right. Um and specifically talking about movies, there's a lot of movies at this time about that, like grabbing the bull by the, you yeah. know, like uh, you have to take what you want, like yeah. the ball like, busting. In reality, that's all of the that's all of the eighties, even outside of air quotes feminism, right? Like the eighties is just a like all of pop culture for the eighties is essentially like, oh, you want something, you gotta fucking take right. that, right? But that which is. Madness land. What by I mean the way. to say is it's that is just... that is particularly framed in in eighties culture and in the culture of this movie as a manhood issue of taking what's yours. Yeah. And for for a woman to belong in that world, uh, this movie does not make an argument against the idea that that a woman to belong in that world needs to become that to belong in right. the world needs to be. Well, it, may, that, it makes the argument that, that that's what world. she has to right. do. I mean, literally, it makes the argument right. the 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 pro that argument right that's what they're saying right um, and and she does it on a smaller scale but she does it against other women too and if she continues a right. small scale against other women instead of a large scale against one woman she's actually worse than mike she's not, right she's not she's not doing as much 
damage to an individual, and in aggregate, she's probably doing less damage. But she is affecting more victims, right? Right. She is spreading it much further. Yeah. And and you know, it's it's one. Of the, but like, they're not even. I don't even think they're trying to frame it that way, right? Like, like Mamet did not think this that far. Through. I feel like though, in the in the Kraus interview, uh, that's part of the DVD and 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 on Criterion Channel as well. I feel like yeah. she frames it like that. That that's I agree. That's I where just don't she think, came. I don't think that's where Mammoth she came from. Thinks that way. Yeah, yeah. And I agree with that. I think that's true. I think you're right. I'm just saying that, like, I actually don't think that. Re, kind of trying to divorce the actress from the text. Yeah. I don't think. I think that is mostly her reading of it. I think that's her justification for deciding to do it. Yeah, like he. I don't think he was doing that. I think. That he's going for that really a much more simpler baseline thing, which is like, oh well, she was she saw this 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 intense, like, the high of this world, and she just couldn't get enough. Kind well, of, you know what I mean? Know, like we like we talked about in the introduction, with uh, the one exception of the fact that that she and Mike have sex, uh, she's also not presented as a sexual being at all, and therefore. Uh, from a very baseline Mehmetian uh, approach, I think uh, a non-sexual woman is is a man as far as he's concerned. So, you know, I, right? Okay, I can see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah that I think, makes sense. I think she is uh, she's presented as as manly and becoming more manly through her actions in this movie and through her relationship with Kant's is what what I mean by all this patriarchy talk. I think. Yeah, that, I I can see that. Again, I don't I. My my experience has been yeah. I, like I don't I still don't know if he thought it that deep, I think like I think Mamet did think that I just view that as a bad thing and I'm not convinced Mamet views it as a bad thing. Oh, I it's if he did think it, it's definitely a bad thing. I I'm I'm concerned that it feels so shoddily crafted as arguments go in yeah. terms of like not from your part but from like it feels so rickety that like it still feels like i still get this weird sensation that i'm imposing a like i feel like the same as when i when we go full socialist on some random movie that clearly I was think, not aiming for that i think mamet believes he is presenting reality all right yeah right? well no i i think you're right about that yes so he's not necessarily making a political argument but but in framing this as reality it is a political argument right you can't separate i i, I can okay. go along with that yeah that, that's, that that's always that's gonna be true right like i think any other I interpretation i've said on top of that is my critique of <laughs> him saying this is reality. right yeah and that and that's but, where it gets a little yeah. bit hard to to, to s- split them yeah. i agree that mammoth thinks he is I agree that Mamet, much like my the person we mentioned earlier, uh, <laughs> the aforementioned artist. I don't know if uh, we actually mentioned him on the on recording. Oh, I definitely mentioned Sorkin at least once. There we go. Um, <laughs> now you have at least I, one. He, they believe that they are showing what the real world looks right. like. Um, they're wrong. Yeah. Uh, categorically, um, and and. And that's what, and that's always kind of my problem, right? Is that like, you can't make like, you can't make a house of cards, and then call it real life. Yeah. Real life is always, always has been, and always will be messy. 
And up until the last moment of this movie, it's not messy at all. Yeah. It's messy for her, but that's the intended consequence of our our kind of actual main character's actions. Right? Yeah. Like, her trials and tribulations are what he is going for. So it is not messy in the sense that, like, it is actually a really... Not amazingly writ- well written, but it is a very tight plot for the yeah. arc of the story in the sense that, like, nothing goes wrong. <laughs> yeah. Literally nothing goes wrong basically until he shoots her. Or she I shoots keep him. doing that. But yes. I don't know why I keep flipping yeah. that, but yeah, until she shoots him. Yeah. Um, And so my problem is, is, like, whenever you're trying to tell me like in a fantasy movie, like a movie that's purporting itself to be fantasy yeah. or science fiction or something, that's very fantastical, like everything going according to plan still feels boring. Yeah. But is is kind of okay. But when you're like, oh, this is reality. This is what life is like. This is what happens right. in the real world, man. Yeah. Um well that's and then that's, everything goes exactly the way they want it to. Right. The uh what I mean when I say that I think Mamet's trying to portray what he views as real is that that con and that affectation is part of the real life. And the, like the rhyming slang while you play cards and, I, and the psychology of the playing cards is what Mamet thinks is real life. Uh, but yeah. But but on... Right, but like... Go ahead, sorry. On Mike's death, and maybe switching gears, so maybe we'll, we'll let you say whatever you're going to say. But on Mike's death, I don't feel... Mike's character... I don't believe is defiant till the end. And that that is off to me too. Mike Mike insisting oh, yeah. that she's not going to shoot him and then still insisting she's not going to kill him and then inviting the last bullet. Yeah, that's bullshit. That's obviously wrong. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, like I mean there's no, where where did this suddenly come from? Yeah. This this like this embracing the, of death. Is not like this guy who has basically lived his entire life, as far as we know, trying to toy with like the sort of inner workings of human nature is going to like dare her to kill him. Yeah, I. I mean, guess, he, he thinks like, he knows her better, I guess, and that daring her to kill him will will cause her to not kill him. But there's nothing. There's nothing that's happened. Yeah, you know, once she fires four shots. I think daring her to fire a fifth is probably not going to stop her. Right. From at some point, a fifth. that's got to break. Right. So. That that has to break at some point. Yeah. And it doesn't, which is weird. Yeah. Yeah. I I think daring him like the first one makes sense. Yeah. Before she shoots him in the leg. Right. Uh, Absolutely. But then even after that, my guess would be like, there's no way that this con man has ever experienced this sort of direct, intense backlash from his victim in this way because he's choosing his victims based partially on the fact that the belief that they will not take action against him yeah like this is not the sort of person who's trying to con like again this is not fucking oceans 11 right you know what i mean in which case that means that like he's not picking victims that are likely to take direct violent action against him which means he probably hasn't ever had direct violent action result from his cons and so the idea that he would get shot a couple times and be still okay with it yeah and like level-headed is is wild it's it's just 
<laughs> who has been the whole thing has been conning in the being. past outside of this window? I guess other rich women. That's my guess. He'd see it's like honestly, I I think Have like been the running power the same thing exact this... con on every female psychiatrist in New I... York. Well, wherever I this think, is, I is th- supposed to take place. I don't even know where it's supposed to take place, I guess. I, I think it's probably simpler than that. Yeah. I think that they see this one as a, this one is probably unique. Right. My guess is that it's a much simpler con, just running it on like bored, essentially bored, yeah. fairly wealthy But they've women. got a team of six people, right? And maybe they put it together. I know, it doesn't this, make but, any, you know. and you don't need six people to do this con. Right. But also, this con doesn't make any sense. This con is, and that's where I always keep coming back yeah. to, is like there are too many fucking left turns in this for it to be a sustainable practice. Yeah. You have to know too much, not about the person, but about the mentality of the person and be able to predict their action to, they're not railroading her into specific actions. They're not providing only one lane. Like, you know what I mean? Like the idea that she would be so roped into him after like one meeting that she's just going to have to see him again. Yeah. Is already a crazy leap, right? Now I guess you could play your odds, right, and just like do this to every woman you meet and eventually some of them will do that. But like there's there's just so much weird about it, like right? Like so it has to be a psychiatrist cuz it's got to be somebody who wants to follow him around to write a book, I guess. Like, I, what the fuck, man? There's too many variables in this. You know what I'm saying? Right. Absolutely. Like, like, right from the get-go, right? Like, it's not like they found this woman and put her immediately in a position where she couldn't say no. Right. They found this woman and kind of, like, hook and lure her in. Yeah. To this thing that, like, there's no evidence she would definitely be interested in. Right. And that's and that's ultimately, there's also no justification. That's that's part of Mammoth's realism, I'm sure. There's no justification that she at all deserves this, which means that the, more, the normal moralistic framing of a story of con men, particularly, but, but a, any story, is out the window. And, yeah, that's right. good for Mammoth for rejecting the normal moralistic Yeah, that's framework. fine. That's There's nothing fine. wrong There's with nothing that. Wrong you with can that. make a movie about bad people. <laughs> but it doesn't, that's fine. It doesn't make me... Uh, you know, it doesn't make me like your narrative anymore, right? Yeah, no. And, but, again, like... Yeah. Again, just, you can again, make a movie right. about bad people. It makes that's it, okay. It makes it make like, I don't less it, but... sense to me, right? These aren't vindictive con men. These, they just happened upon her... And right. they've spent but, like, so much of their time yeah. and resources getting eighty grand from her. Exactly, and getting eighty grand that is in no way guaranteed by the way their con works. Right. You know what I mean? Like, again, it it wouldn't make an interesting story, but a, a real con would make it so that it's impossible for her to back out much earlier. You know what I mean? Like, there's no reason. Like, how do they know she's going to come to the club? To the bar. Right. Like, that's not a thing psychiatrists do. Ever. Right. And particularly like, this psycholo- <laughs> psychiatrist. The way we see her interact with the only other patient we see her interact with. Uh, is there is very no cold reason that they should yeah. think that she'd be enticed right. to come. Right. Right. So we've got no evidence that her personality inclines itself towards this behavior. Right. And, and it, is, it, is, it is definitely, definitely malpractice. Yeah. 
So she's already like, and and we see but, that in movies all the time. But again, it's not a thing doctors do a lot is put their practice at fucking risk. But Mike but, knows yeah. who she is enough to know the title, full title of her book, right? So is this some sort of, does he view himself as like some divine punishment? This woman thinks she can write about obsessive uh, behavior. Well, I'm going to give her an obsessive behavior. But like, also that like that none of it makes it any doesn't. sense. It doesn't, though, make Adam. Sense. I'm not saying like, it makes. How sense, could he but... fucking know that about her? Right. Like, okay, I've read. You and I have both read a lot of books. Yeah, I have read some authors hundreds of times. Yeah, I deeply love some of them. I know fuck nothing <laughs> about them as people. <laughs> Adam, yeah, but if you're I, a con I want you to man, think about you what that... make some educated guesses. Well, how? <laughs> yeah, I can make educated. I could make educated guesses right now. I was a fucking anthropology major, but like, they're just guesses. Yeah, and you can't build a fucking your entire plan on a bunch of fucking hunches. Right. That you have zero. Like that's not how this works. It doesn't make any sense. Like, why would you do that when you could run some other con that has a guaranteed, essentially a guaranteed payout? Yeah. And would probably be easier and take less than fucking three weeks. Right, right. Or if it takes three weeks, pays out way more and is guaranteed. He does get- Like, there's so many steps that she could just bail out. And I know that the movie wants to say, well, she doesn't because that's like the thing. People don't bail out. People do. All the time. I don't know. Sunk loss is is definitely a real. Yeah, I understand too, right? that the sunk. Yeah, the sunk cost fallacy does just drive people insane. Right. Uh, but also, lots of people know that term and then don't do it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, especially people who have degrees in psychiatry or psychology, whichever one she has. Right. Like the only the only motivation that halfway makes sense and it doesn't make sense if is if Mike for some reason has learned about her and thinks he's smarter than her and wants to prove that he's smarter than her. But we never verbalize that as as a motivation. No. And and 80 grand as a motivation doesn't really make sense for a group as large as they are living in presumably no. New York City in 1987. 80 grand's not. Right. And and especially when you could get 80 grand through a much less right. sophisticated scheme right with less risk that it won't pay off. Right. Like it just Right. Like, think about what they're running here, Adam. They've got to be running other things. She shows up in this bar, a thing that they don't know she's going to do. Right, right. And then they're going to rope her into this game, a thing that there's, they don't know she would agree to. Like, no. Number one, this place is shady as shit. So, like, I don't, I don't even know why she would even, like, there's so many weird things about right, what happens right. to set up this entire thing. About behavior just not being normal for human beings. Yeah. But then, like, why, like, not, how would you know she's going to come back? How would you know X? Well, how would you know Y? It's, like, so many things where it's, like, oh, yeah, the way you know that is you're writing a script for a movie. <laughs> right. Right. Where things happen the way you want them to happen. Yeah. It's just, it's all, it's all crazy. Uh <laughs> I will. Let's yeah, no, it, it, yeah, it just is. I don't, I, and this movie makes me very, like, very annoyed. And that's, that's Not even, thing. like, if, yeah. in different, if someone else had written the dialogue, I think, uh, this movie could succeed in being fun. 
And we'd still have the problems with, well, what does it mean? What are they yes, trying to say? Yes, we would. We totally would. But, but it could be at least fun. With the dialogue as it stands, it's not even really all that fun. Uh, yeah, it's... Yeah, I mean, it, yeah. yeah, the dialogue does make it harder yeah. to watch. It really does. Like, it, Ebert, in the plot, we would have problems. But the plot, without the mammoth dialogue, let's be honest here, this would be pretty mediocre, like, USA television, yeah. middle-of-the-day movie plot. You know what I mean? It's not, it's fine. It's an entertaining plot, but it's pretty run-of-the-mill so the only thing that's really carrying it in terms of like critical reception is like this weird pseudo noir bullshit dialogue. Yeah. That air quotes feels real if you've had head trauma. Right. Right. Uh a lot of people really love this. Ebert really loved this. Uh but the Washington Post uh Yeah, I love it. <laughs> review. Uh Washington Post saw Mammoth as reshewing I'm sorry, rechewing film noir, Hitchcock twists, and MacGuffins, as well as the Freudian mumbo-jumbo already masticated tasteless by so many cynicids. <laughs> that's, that's a beautiful now, I don't. I too. don't know what a cynicid is. I kind of want to punish the Washington I, Post for putting those words on print. That's, that's the other thing. I think by cynicid they mean the the new wave of, of 80s uh, cinema guys. So they're talking people like Jim Jarmusch, I think, at that point. Yeah. Tarantino is still on the horizon, but he's of that same vein. Uh, had Sex Lies and Videotape come out by now? I, I can't remember what year that came out. I, I don't think know. it's 89, though. So, yeah, like eh, Soderbergh and, and, and other people coming out at the time. The Coens, to a certain extent, yeah. uh, by that moment. Although, I mean, the Coens a got lot of the people... It, I think, as, as time went by. Yeah. But... But yeah, I think that's probably what they mean—a a jab. Yeah, I think if we I explored so what Washington Post meant by every clause of this sentence, we'd hate them even more. But <laughs> oh no, I do. Yeah. I started to when I read this like yeah. earlier today, and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to take it face value that somebody doesn't like this movie. Yeah, and I'm not going to explore the fact that every single reason they gave for not liking this movie makes me upset. Yeah. Uh, in 2010, there was a stage adaptation of this by uh, playwright Richard Bean. Which feels backwards. In London, which does feel backwards. Also, he softened the ending, which I think probably means Margaret doesn't kill Mike. Uh, and uh, uh, one of the reviewers found it to be a pointless exercise. <laughs> yeah, I agree, because it's already obviously a stage play. Right, right. It's only got three locations. What are you doing on the stage play? It's got more than yeah. I mean, like legitimately, yeah. it feels like stage dialogue. Yeah. The whole thing just feels and that's like David Mamet was a was a stage, you know, right? He, yeah, he, and it, it's obvious. This it's is his first obvious. his first movie. Um, not the first movie. I was wrote, shocked you know, to learn that this awesome. wasn't a Broadway yeah. play before, right. or like some sort of off Broadway right. play before it became right. this. Glengarry Glenn Ross, Ross uh, he wrote, and that was that was a stage play prior to this, and didn't get a film adaptation until like ten years after this. Um, Right. Yeah. It's it's all absurd. Uh I I want to end though uh because there's a great reveal uh in the uh the Joe Montagna interview on on the DVD as well uh where he's talking about uh filming the the sex scene and you know he he talks about uh how Krauss and him just sort of went at it and it felt so naturalistic and they're they're in it and then Mammoth's like cut that's enough that's 
That's like he was super <laughs> uncomfortable watching Joe Montana kiss his wife uh, in a role he wrote for her. Uh, like, yeah, yeah. That this this all checks yeah. out, right? Yeah. Like, this is not shocking to anybody, yeah. right? Yeah, of course. And and again, you know, ultimately, Lindsay's uh, her read of this is that it's all about control and it's her exercising control in the end. Uh, and I think that's accurate because David Mamet is exercising control in the making of this movie down to how people are saying the lines. Like, like, yeah, you know, that's this is the manhood of this film is David Mamet. And right. Yeah. I mean, this is know. essential. Yeah. This is his this is his masculinity right. kind of writ large into a into a movie. Right. Yeah. Which is an upsetting thing that we watched. Right. I when I right. when I think about it in those terms, I'm I'm uncomfortable right. now. Right. Exactly. Uh, anyway, let's pull this to a close. We've been talking about House of Games, David Mamet, written and directed in 1987, his uh, debut direction. Uh, next week, we are talking about. Uh, a uh, Jim Jarmusch film. It is spying number four hundred. Very excited about that. We'll be yeah. talking about Stranger Than Paradise. Look forward to that. Thank you once again for listening to Lost and Criterion. I am, as always, the Adam Class. With me, as always, John Patrick Oyatari Dorgan. And we'll see you next time. You've been listening to Lost in Criterion, hosted by John Patrick Oatari Dorgan and the Adam Glass, who edits it. We're a production of WithTwoBrains.com. Jonathan Hape does the music. Check him out at JonathanHape.Bandcamp.com. And hey, if you like us, why don't you give us a review on iTunes, like us on Facebook, and support us on Patreon. That's Patreon.com slash Lost in Criterion. We'd appreciate it. What I'm saying is I watched, however, six seasons of West Wing just so I could record this episode. Never in history has someone made Sorkin look naturalistic. <laughs>